0: Well, I stand here with a, a bit of fear and trembling. It's a big task to think about standing in front of a room of hundreds of people and talk about parenting. It is not an easy subject. I love what one pastor in Atlanta said. He said, Parenting is hard. Families are messy. Anyone who claims they have discovered the secret to effective parenting is probably covering something up, just had their first baby, or recently graduated from Bible college. If I could line up all the parents in this room and ask you different questions, I would get all different answers when it comes to parenting. So as I prepared today, I I thought to myself, how am I going to address all these topics? And the conclusion I came to is, I'm not. I'm not going to address a lot of different topics. You're You're not going to get advice on whether you should use a pacifier or not. I'm not going to tell you that you should homeschool your kids, and I'm not going to lobby for private school over public school. You're not going to hear what age is best to start potty training. You're not going to hear whether you should use disposable diapers or cloth diapers. I'm not going to tell you whether you should spank your children, and you will not hear whether I think baby-wise is better than attachment parenting. What I want to do with our time is look at God's Word I want to look at the Bible and what it says about passing our faith on to the next generation. In particular, the important role of parents in shaping their child's faith so the story of Jesus is passed down from one generation to the next. I know parenting is hard. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done. And in the midst of the busyness of parenting, we lose sight. If you're following on your notes, I think we lose sight of the fact that God has given us children by His grace for His glory. God has given us children by His grace for His glory. Children are a gift from God, and we are responsible to steward them. We are responsible for stewarding our children for God's glory. And just so we're all on the same page, I want to define glory because I think it's a church word that can get thrown around and we all have different ideas of what it might mean. So if you're following on your notes this morning, glory equals shine the light on Jesus. Shine the light on Jesus. It's to make him known. It's to make him famous. We talk about this almost every Sunday downstairs with the kids. We are all created by God in the image of God, and the purpose of our lives. If you are breathing in this room this morning, the purpose of your life is to be in a relationship with Jesus so that you can shine the light on him and make him known, especially to your children and to the next generation. This is so important. Because we are always one generation from Christianity becoming less and less important. The evangelist Billy Graham says we're one generation away from Christianity becoming extinct. And some of you aren't sure that could actually happen. But in the Bible, in the book of Judges, there's this great leader of God's people named Joshua. And he dies. And then we're told in the book of Judges, chapter 2, verse 10, you can see it on the screen. It says, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. How could that happen? How could a whole generation rise up and not know who God was? And we're told in the book of Judges, everyone did as they saw fit in their own eyes and they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Society did not go well. Catch this. The kids who grew up in the book of Judges and did not know the Lord? They were kids inside the church. They were kids who went to the tabernacle with their mom and dad. They were kids inside the church. How could that happen? How could an entire generation of church kids grow up and not know who God was and the biblical principles on which to live their lives? And it's happening today. It is happening all around us. Are there any kids in the room from birth through high school? Would you stand up for me? Just for a minute. I don't want to embarrass you. Would you stand up for me? Birth through high school in the room? Yeah, you all can take a look around. We're told that eight out of ten kids, and if there's 20 kids standing, there will be four that remain in the church by the second year of college. The rest of them will have left the church. That's just one generation. You play that out multiple generations, and we have a huge problem. You can go ahead and sit down. Thank you for letting me embarrass you. We need to talk about the gospel, and we need to talk about passing it on to the next generation. We need to talk about stewarding our children. And let me say this. Steve mentioned it. You may be sitting here this morning, and you're like, man, I picked a great Sunday to be here. I don't have kids yet or my kids are grown up, or I don't even have a relationship with my kid anymore. What does this have to do with me? And I believe it does have something to do with all of us because we all have influence. We all have influence. My prayer is that this message will help everyone here because we all have a responsibility and we are all commanded to pass our faith on to the next generation. You may not have kids yet. That's okay. I wish I would have heard some of this before I had kids. Or you may have grandkids, and you get to spend a lot of time with them, and you can know the important role that you play. You might have nieces or nephews, or just by being here, if you don't have children at all, you are part of a faith family, and together as the body of Christ, we want to hand the baton of faith off to the next generation well. And so my prayer is that there's something for everybody, but I do want to pray for that. So would you pray with me as we get started this morning? God, we are thankful that you're faithful. We want to be good stewards. We really do. So God, I pray that you would take my words. Would you make them your words? God, I pray you would teach us this morning. Help us realize the high calling that we have been given as your followers to pass our faith on to the next generation. I pray that we'd be burdened for this, Father. So God, as As we gather as a faith family, we invite you to join us. We know you're all places at all times, but we invite you here. You are welcome here. We need you, and we're thankful that you are a faithful God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, one Sunday last fall when Sarah was in the hospital, I was bringing my two boys up from downstairs, and I got stopped for a conversation and I, my seven-year-old stayed right by me, but I noticed that my three-year-old took off running up the stairs. And so I cut the conversation short, and I ran up the stairs, and I got to the top of those stairs down the hall, and I looked to the right, and I looked to the left, it was about 12.15, really crowded, and I didn't see him. And some of you parents know that. I mean, my heart sank, my stomach sank, I, I mean, I'm going to have to call my wife and tell her, hey, Sarah, I lost our kid. Um... <laughs> And it ended up, somebody pointed that he had come in here and his favorite thing is to come in here and jump off the stage. And I reflected on that moment because it, it just, you don't forget moments like that. And I, I reflected on that moment. And as I began to reflect, I, I thought to myself, I am so concerned for my children's physical health. And that's a huge part of being a parent, it really is. But I asked myself, am I as concerned about his spiritual health? Would I do anything? To go find him and see where he is and make sure he's okay spiritually, like I would physically. And I think all parents are like this. We would do anything to protect our children. But I want to ask you this morning, are you as concerned about your child's spiritual upbringing as you are their physical? And if you're following in your notes, it's because the goal of biblical parenting is to help your kids know Jesus. The goal of biblical parenting is to help your kids know Jesus, to love him, to serve him, to glorify him, to shine the light on him. And this morning, we're going to look at one passage in the Bible that addresses the importance of a child's spiritual upbringing. So, if you would, would you open your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one in the seat back in front of you. If you don't own a Bible... Take that Bible home. We would love for that to be a gift to you. If you open your Bible to the first book, it's Genesis, then Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, then Deuteronomy. We're going to spend the whole morning in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. I'm just going to look at seven verses Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Would you read with me the first gray box on your notes? It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Let me provide some context for you. Moses, the great leader of God's people, is about to die. He's led a million people wandering around a desert for 40 years. And they're about ready to enter the promised land, the land that... God promised his people a thousand years earlier. And so he's addressing a million people for the last time. And he says, here is your priority. Put this above everything. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This scripture is known as Shema. And if you don't have it underlined in your Bible, I would highly encourage you to underline it. To Jewish people, this is the primary confession of faith. The first words Jewish boys and girls grow up learning is Abba, which means daddy, and Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These would have been some of the first words Jesus would have learned. They have been recited by every devout Jew every morning, every night, every day for over 3,000 years. Above everything, above everything in your life, God's people were to love their Lord, their God, with their whole lives. Jesus grew up knowing the importance of this command, and he even affirmed it in the New Testament. You can follow along on the screen. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, Verses 28 to 30, it says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? And then would you read this with me on the screen? It says, The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The rest of the passage we're going to look at today addresses passing this faith, this confession of faith, on to the next generation. But I find it very interesting. Before we are ever told to pass this faith on, we're commanded to live it out ourselves. And If you're following in your notes, we are commanded to live this out ourselves, before ever passing it on to our children. The sobering fact is that parents will have more influence than anyone else on their children. It can be negative or it can be positive, but what you do and how you live will make an impact on your kids. How I pursue God, how I love my wife, how I treat others, how I respond to authority, how I spend my money, how I work, how I treat my body all affects my child's values and their perspectives in life. And if you're following along in your notes, you can't raise your kids to be something you're not. You can't raise your kids to be something you're not. You can try. You can try to tell them to live one way, and then you yourself live another way. It will not go well. And it will be a very bad relationship when your kids grow up. God first asks people to have these commands on their hearts before they ever try to pass them on to their children. It is our responsibility to love the Lord our God with all our hearts and with all our soul and with all our strength in front of our children every day. If you're following on your notes, the most important thing, the most important, the most important thing you can do for your child is to grow into the likeness of Jesus. Let me say that again. The most important thing you can do for your child is to grow into the likeness of Jesus. To go from shallow to mature. Our kids need to see Jesus more than anything else in us. The Bible may not answer all the questions when it comes to parenting that we want to know, but it provides exactly what we need to know. That we're to grow in the image of Christ. Does the gospel make a difference in your life? Does following Jesus change the way that you think, that you live, the way you act? Because the hard truth is, if our children hear us saying that we follow Jesus, but they don't see us live it out, why would they want anything to do with him? I think this could be a big reason why 8 out of 10 kids leave the church when they go to college. They don't see us live it out. We cannot take our children someplace we have never been. Before we ever pass our faith on to our children or the next generation, we need to make sure we're living it out ourselves. We need to love the Lord our God with our whole lives. And as we continue to look at Deuteronomy 6, I want to suggest to you that this verse gives us two ways to pass our faith on to our children and the next generation, and they're found in verses 6 to 9. Would you read those verses with me in the second gray box on your notes? These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The first way to pass our faith on is to talk about the Bible. If you're following in your notes, number one, talk about the Bible with your children. Parents were to impress God's word on their children's minds and make it the subject of natural, everyday conversation. I love this word, impress, in the Hebrew, can be translated as repeat or recount. Repeat or recount And the word refers to the constant repetition of God's word for the benefit of the children. Parents, you have everything you need to disciple your child. You have the Bible. You don't need to be seminary trained. You don't need to be a theologian to read the Bible with your children or to pray for your child. The best Bible teachers in this church are sitting in this room right now. The best Bible teachers in this church are not me or Steve or Jeff. The best Bible teachers are the moms and dads in this room because God has designed it that way. And I know some of you think, I, I'm not sure I can do this. I'm not sure if I can be the spiritual leader of my children, and I want to say, you can. You can do it. We don't think this way in other areas of our lives. We don't say, well, I'm not a teacher, so I can't help my child learn. Or we don't say, well, I'm not a doctor, so I can't help my child stay healthy you can be the primary disciple-maker in your child's life. Dads and moms, God has given you the responsibility of being the primary instructor of faith in your child's life. Do you feel the weight of that? It is a high calling and a huge responsibility. If your child's primary nourishment from the Bible comes on a Sunday morning at church, your children are starving for the word. They're starving for it. They need to hear it from you every day at home. You are the best Bible teachers for your children. You can do it. God's designed it that way. The first way to pass on our faith is to keep the word central in our children's lives. Talk about the Bible with your children. And if you're following in your notes, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. And the second way we pass our faith on to our children is to live the Bible out in front of them. Number two, if you're following on your notes, the Bible must be lived out. It must be lived out. If you look at the last two sentences in the second gray box on your notes, it's verse eight and nine, and it says, tie them. They're talking about God's word, God's commands. It says, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This command was taken literally by the Jewish people. They would write the words of God and tie them to their wrists and tie them to their heads so they were right between their eyes so they could see them all the time. They would write them on the door frames of their houses and on the gates to their homes and on the gates to the city. And they did this so they would continually be reminded that God's word was to be lived out. We need to make the word visible. Children need to see us live out God's word. They are watching us. I mean, how many of you parents have heard your child say something, good or bad, only to realize they heard you say it first? Or how many times have you seen your child do something at home, and it was like looking in a mirror, good or bad? And that's because your children are watching, and they're listening all the time. Parents, we must show our children what it is like to pursue a relationship with God. We have to show them what a committed, loving marriage looks like. We need to show them how it looks to prioritize Jesus over everything else. We need to show them that coming to church on a Sunday morning is a non-negotiable, that it takes priority over sporting events and extracurricular activities. We need to show them what it is like to reject the materialism and consumerism of the world, and we need to show them what it means to make decisions based on God's word, not what society tells us are we living out our faith because our kids are watching? So to pass on our faith to our children and the next generation, we must first love the Lord with our whole lives. We have to get it right. And two ways God instructs us to pass it on is to talk about his word with our kids and live it out in front of them. And so you may be here this morning and you're saying, I want to do this. I want to disciple my child or my grandchild or my niece or my nephew. I just don't know how to do it and I don't know that I have time to do it. And so with our remaining time together, I want to give you a suggestion on how to steward your children and pass the baton of faith on to the next generation. And this is also found in the passage we've been looking at this morning. In your second gray box, I'm just going to read Verses 6 and 7 again, this is where we find how we can steward our children. It says these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Now, every family is going to look different. And you have to figure out what works for you. But in light of your schedules, four specific times are listed in this passage. And these are times that families have built into their everyday lives. It's like God knew what he was talking about. I think sometimes we look for huge blocks of time to disciple our kids. And many times we just don't have those huge blocks of times. But we can utilize certain times in our day that are built in for discipleship. And if you're following in your notes... We must be intentional, we must be intentional about creating a rhythm in our family lives to disciple our children. We've got to be intentional. So if you'd flip your notes over, I want to walk through a table with you really quickly. This is from a book called Think Orange written by Reggie Joyner, a family pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. And I, you can see the first column says times, and that corresponds with what we just read in the passage. When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. And each time seems to suggest a different style or approach to learning, and also a chance for a parent to play a different role in their child's life. So I'm going to walk through these, and the first one is when you sit at home. When you sit at home, and I want to talk about eating meals together, because I'm trying to find things that most families have to do. When you sit at home, eat meals together. This time allows the parent to assume the role of a teacher. Meal times can be the perfect time to establish foundational truths and core values. Many of the books I read and people I talked to said one of the best things you can do for your family is to eat dinner together. Studies have even shown that families that eat dinner together, the less likely kids are to smoke, to drink, to do drugs, get depressed, develop eating disorders, and consider suicide. And the more likely they are to do well in school, delay having sex, and the more likely kids are to eat their vegetables. (laughs) I'm still waiting for that last one. In addition to some really practical benefits to eating dinner together, like studies like that show, mealtimes are a great time to do family devotionals. Instead of looking for time in a busy day or night, utilize the meal time to disciple your child. And, and for some of us, you hear that dreaded word, family devotionals, and it makes you break into a cold sweat. And maybe you think a family devotional looks something like this. Watch this video. Oh, hopefully that is not what a family devotion looks like. There, there are a lot of devotionals or books or ways to do this at dinner time. My family this year is using a little book called Jesus Calling. We take five to ten minutes at dinner, most nights, to read the page and then talk about what it means and the characteristic of, of God and how we can trust Him. There is also a great Bible for little kids called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Read one story out of this a night and then talk about it for a few minutes. Maybe you just want to use your Bible and pick a book of the Bible and read through it. Maybe start in Genesis. There's great stories in Genesis or in the New Testament. Read the Gospels or the Book of Acts. My boys love the Book of Acts. It's filled with adventure. Just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Dinner time provides a built-in opportunity to disciple our children. And let me say, not every night... Your kids are going to thank you for doing this, and it's not going to be this unbelievable experience every time you do it, but that's why we do it over and over and over. Some nights it's enough just to try to keep my two boys seated in their chairs. Matt Chandler, a pastor in Texas, says before he does family devotionals every night, his prayer is that he won't call God's wrath down on his family. (laughs) It can just be frustrating, but that's why we repeat it, And we repeat it and we repeat it over and over again. The second time that we're given that most families have when you walk along the road. I think today that is time in the car or drive time. And these times give parents an opportunity to build a relationship through non-threatening experiences. You can function as a friend or companion. Just ask how life's going. How was school? What's going on? Instead of just giving a child a DVD player, a cell phone, an iPad, or music, have a conversation. And it doesn't you don't have to do this every time. Maybe you listen to radio sometimes. My boys love vacation Bible school songs. Or listening to CDs called Adventures in Odyssey. And then we can talk about it for a few minutes. But it's a built-in time that all of us have that we can utilize to disciple our kids. The third one, when you lie down, bedtime. All of us have this. this is some, there's something about the privacy of a child's room that gives the parent a chance to have an intimate conversation and become a counselor who listens to the heart of your child. Here's what this requires, though. You don't just send your kid to bed, you take your child to bed. And so in my family, we re- usually read a Lego book, we'll read a Bible story, and then we'll pray and talk for a couple minutes. It, it's nothing incredible But it's a built-in time that I can get to know my kids better and be intentional. The last one, when you get up, morning time. Provides a blank page for the family to start fresh. And whether you eat breakfast together or it's just a few brief moments, you can plant a seed for the rest of the day. Just a few encouraging words or maybe you just want to pray over your child. It can instill purpose and value. Think of yourself as a coach sending your child off into an important game each day i heard from one dad that said before his kids left for school every morning he would just hug them for 30 seconds he'd just hug them and tell them he loved them and he'd send them out into the day you don't have to carve out huge blocks of time to disciple your child although there are times when you'll want to do that we can use the built-in rhythm of our everyday lives And as a church, we want to provide opportunities for you to lead your children well. We've shifted primarily from a children's ministry exclusively focused on kids to a family ministry where we want to give the kids our best on Sunday morning, but we want to equip parents with resources to disciple their child. And that's because we believe you can disciple your child better than we can. And so just a couple things that we offer that you can use during the week for preschool and elementary. We send take-home pages home. talks about the Bible story that we, spoke, that we talked about, the scripture verse, the main point, and a family activity. And you can use this during the week to talk to your child about Jesus. And one other thing we've started, it's called the Great Family Experiment. This is a little bit uh, bigger block of time. It's one night to give up, to be intentional, to spend with your family. But we've made these available today on your way out. We have 200 copies. So any child preschool through high school, this would be great. What this is, is one night where you can talk about defining your family values. What is going to guide you as a family? And so we want to provide the resources, but we think you can disciple your children better than we can. And so as we pass... Our faith on to the next generation if you turn your notes back over parents please hear me say this grandparents uncles aunts please hear me say this this is really important we can do everything right we can love the Lord with our whole lives we can talk to our kids about the Bible we can live it out in front of them we can build a rhythm into our lives to disciple our kids And it doesn't ensure that our kids will accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. We can't save our children, and we can't force them to follow Jesus. And that's why if you're following on your notes, we must pray for our children. We must pray for the next generation. We must relentlessly pray that God would open their eyes to see the fact that they need a Savior last year sarah and i called pastor gary and Janie and asked them if they would come over we just had some parenting questions we were struggling a little bit and um sarah asked this question she said what is the best thing you did for your kids they raised three kids and now have grandkids what is the best thing you did for your kids in all their growing up years and Janie, man she didn't miss a beat she said we prayed every day for our kids and me, being the planner and the type A, I said, that's it? <laughs> that's, that's all you did? But I'm beginning to learn that the most important thing I can do for my children is to pray that their eyes would be open, that they would follow Jesus Christ as their Savior, because I can't force them to do that. So we must pray for our children. Every parent is going to leave a legacy. The question is, what kind of legacy are you going to leave? One dad wrote these words as he reflected back over the time he spent raising his children. I just want to read it to you. He says, my family is all grown up and the kids are all gone. But if I had it to do over again, this is what I would do. I would love my wife more in front of my children. I would laugh with my children more at our mistakes and our joys. I would listen more even to the littlest child. I would be more honest about my own weaknesses, never pretending perfection. I would pray differently for my family. I would do more things together with my children. I would encourage them more and bestow more praise. I would pay more attention to little things like deeds and words of thoughtfulness. And then, finally, if I had it to do all over again, I would share God more intimately with my family. Every ordinary thing that happened in every ordinary day, I would use to point them To Jesus 100 years from now the only thing that will matter is somebody's relationship with God it won't matter what car we drove or school we went to or house we lived in or sports we played or how much money we made the one thing that will matter in a hundred years is what we did and what our kids did with Jesus And as parents, we are given the responsibility to steward our children so they might have the best chance possible to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. The world will tell us, you've all heard this before, this is nothing new. The world will tell us that the goal of parenting looks like this you have a smart child who's involved in a lot of activities. He or she becomes a successful, good-looking teenager who is smart, who's a great athlete, who has a good-looking boyfriend or girlfriend, who is headed to a great college to get a great education, to make a lot of money and have a great life. The world would look at that child and say, that is success and his parents did a great job. And the world is selling us a bill of goods and it is not true. It is not true. I'm all about having fun together as a family. I love taking trips and I love goofing off. I love that my boys are involved in piano and soccer and t-ball, but those things are not my priority and those things are not on the front burner for me. As a follower of Jesus, the goal of parenting is not to help your child get the best education or to become a great athlete. It's not to be the best at everything they do. The goal of parenting is not to drag your children around town competing in sporting events to get trophies that will collect dust in your basements. The goal of biblical parenting is to raise your child to know Jesus. It is the best thing you can ever give your child. And as we close today, I, I want to leave us all with this question. I ask myself this question, and there's no blank to fill out. It's just there. How are you intentionally passing your faith on to the next generation? How are you intentionally passing your faith on to your children? Are you? How are you? Do you want to? How are we doing this? And so I want to ask you, would you just close your Bibles, put your notes away for a minute, I just want to take off the pastor hat and put on the dad hat for a minute and and just speak to you as a dad. There are many days where I feel like an absolute failure as a parent. I either say something that I don't mean or I lose my cool or I can have a pretty good day and everything goes right almost all day until the very end of the day and then something happens and I feel like the whole day was a waste. My kids don't stay in their seat over dinner time, so we don't do a family devotion. I can't get them to brush their teeth and get in bed, so we don't read the Bible at night some nights. I just feel like a failure sometimes. And I want to say this morning, if you sit here and you feel disqualified as a parent to pass the baton of faith onto your children, start where you are now. Ask God for forgiveness and start where you are. Ask your children for forgiveness. I think one thing, one of the best things we can do for our kids is when we mess up, we apologize to them. If you think to be, you need to be perfect to disciple your child, look at some of the examples in the Bible. There's not many good parenting examples. I don't know if you've noticed that before. Adam and Eve got us into this whole mess. And they had two sons, Cain and Abel, and one of them killed the other. And then look at Jacob and Esau who fought almost their entire lives. And look at their scheming parents, Isaac and Rebekah. Look at David, a man after God's own heart, except the time that he slept with another man's wife and then had the man murdered, or except the fact that his whole family turned on him and his sons hated him. You want to go to the New Testament. Let's look at Mary and Joseph, Jesus' earthly parents, who left Jesus at the temple for three days without realizing he was gone. (laughs) If DCFS was around back then, Jesus would have been removed from his family. You don't need to be perfect. You need to be growing more like Christ. But you don't need to be perfect. Never buy into that myth that you have to be a perfect parent to start discipling your children. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your baggage is. There is hope that you can leave a legacy of faith for the next generation. I want to encourage you today. You can do it. Just start where you are. It is a high calling and a big responsibility. But God has given us children for his grace, for his glory. It's the best thing we can do for our kids. So as we close today, I, I, I want to pray together. And I, I want to pray over a few different groups of people in this room. And um, if you'd bow your heads and pray with me. I just want to pray a prayer of encouragement and blessing. God, again, we are thankful that you are faithful. Even when we are not faithful, you remain faithful. And even when we didn't deserve to be saved, you sent your son Jesus to this earth to save us. You promised that you never leave us alone, but that you're always with us. And parenting is one of those things, God. We need you. And so I want to pray for parents who are in the middle of raising small children right now. God, would you give them patience and perseverance and strength and encouragement? Would you help them know the high calling they have been given, that more than anything else, more than anything else in life, passing their faith on to their children is the most important. I pray they would know that their children are relying on them to pass that faith on. And I want them to know this morning, God, that they can do it. I want to pray for parents who have messed up and are sitting here right now feeling like failures. God, would you give them a fresh start Would you help them not feel like a failure? The evil one whispers things in our ears like, you can't do this, you're no good. How would your kids listen to you? You're a hypocrite, you're a failure. And God, I pray against those attacks from the evil one. I pray that they would be convicted to ask for forgiveness, but that they would start where they are and know that they have a high calling to disciple their kids. God, I want to pray for parents whose kids are grown and out of the house. I pray they would know they still have incredible significance. They are still some of the most important people in their kids' lives. And I pray that they would live the gospel out themselves and that they wouldn't stop talking to their kids about Jesus and the difference he makes in their lives. God, I pray for people here who do not have kids and in some cases, that is very painful. I pray they would know how important a role they play in passing their faith onto the next generation. I pray they would know that as the body of Christ, we need them to disciple our kids. We need them to pass the faith on to the next generation. We need people outside of our immediate families who live out the gospel to be models for young kids. And God, I don't know where they might be intentional, whether it's vacation Bible school or on a mission trip or Sunday schools or in the nursery, but would you give them ideas on how to pass their faith on to the next generation because they still have a role to play. God, I pray for us as a church to build into the next generation from babies through college. God, I pray we would be burdened for the next generation that we would shine the light on you so that they can see your goodness and grace. And finally, God, I pray in all of this that you would open our eyes and our kids' lives to accept you as Savior. Because at the end of the day, we're reminded how powerless we are. We have a role to play, but we can't save our kids, and we need you. So God, would you do what only you can do in our lives and in our kids' lives. God, again, we are so thankful that you are faithful, even when we're not. It is so good to gather as a faith family to study your word, to sing your praises, to give back to you. Thank you for our time together. It's in Jesus' saving name that everybody agreed and said, Amen.